All right, good afternoon. Here we are again in our study in the book of Revelation. Now we've, uh, we're up to, we only have three of the churches left. We're at Sardis, beginning on chapter 3 today. This is uh, Revelation chapter 3 from verses 1 to 6. Not too many verses for this church, but the Lord has a lot to say to them in these few verses. Now, just to back up a little bit, what we're doing here is looking at the seven letters, looking at the different things in Revelation are in groups. This group we're looking at is the churches, uh, the seven churches. We've done these shortly, and then we'll get into the next group of things. But uh, for now, the Sardis. Now, the Lord was walking in the midst of the candlesticks, and we take from that, we see that the Lord Jesus is investigating or watching over and looking at his church and correcting things. And he's doing that with Sardis, as he's doing that today with the churches and with believers. He, he still does that. Um, let's just get right into it then. These things saith he, uh, I'm sorry, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith, saith he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So we see the seven spirits of God. We looked at that a little earlier, but just to think uh, and to note that it talks about the eyes, full of eyes, just seeing and watching. And the Lord sees and knows everything, and he has the seven stars that are in his right hand. These are his messengers to the churches, the pastors, his messengers. Everything's he sees and everything's in his hand. He sees in our lives the things that take place, the, the good times, the bad times, the calamities, the the joy, everything, he sees it. And everything is in his hands, in his power to help us through or whatever needs to be done. But he says to this church, I know thy works, and thou hast the name that thou livest and art dead. Okay, how'd you like to have that letter come to you? That'd be a terrible thing. Because I'm sure if they took it seriously, they would have done something about it, as the previous church uh, didn't have anything to repent of. But this church, we call it the dead church. Thou, thou livest and art dead. The life is gone from them. The light has gone out. So here we have a church that is no longer a, a witness. It's not that lighthouse that it may have once been or should be. It's not sending out the light. The light, of course, is the gospel of Christ. And to live for Christ, to get the word of God out and round about, that people know what the church stand, stands for, that it's not a social club, it's not a place where people come and hide and tip their hat to God on just on Sunday or something. It's a church that believes and stands up for the Lord. These ones have the light, and they're like a lighthouse, and it goes out. When that stops, when that isn't taking place in their services and in their lives, then you have a serious, serious problem. The light has gone out. Now, didn't he say earlier get this thing fixed or I'll come upon thee quickly and remove that candlestick from its place. Um, this one hasn't had the candlestick removed yet, but we'll see in just a minute. We see that the light has gone out and the life has left. They're not living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they're not speaking up for him. They're not standing for him. He's not the first thing in their lives. The church, uh, the services, we don't know exactly what was taking place, but it certainly wasn't the study of scripture, it sounds like. But we note that there still is hope. The Lord did not remove their candlestick yet. Uh, there's still hope for them because he comes to them and he says, here's what you need to do, here's what's been done. And there's always hope with the Lord. Never, never give up. I have a little drawing in my, a cartoon in my study. 
And it says, never give up, give up, rest if you must, but never quit. And it shows a stork standing in a pond, and you've probably seen this. And this stork has got a, a frog in his mouth, and the frog's legs are sticking out of the stork's mouth. <clears throat> and the stork's trying to have him for dinner, but the frog's got his hands around the stork's throat. Never give up. And just a picture of, uh, just we never should give up. There's always hope with the Lord. He's not done with us yet. If you're still breathing, he's not done. There's always hope with the Lord. If you don't get anything else out of anything today, get that one and take that one home with you. That with the Lord there is hope because he cares for us, doesn't he? First Peter chapter 5, I think it's verse 7. It says, cast your care upon the Lord for he cares for you. God loves us. And uh, Jesus has paid for all of our sins. For those that trust in Christ, believe in Christ, your sins are forgiven. If you have never trusted in Christ, if you've never come to him and taken him as your Savior with all of your heart, you need to do so because you're not going to make it to heaven without Christ, without Jesus. He's the door, okay? But there is still hope in whatever the circumstance is. Never give up. Look to the Lord, and he says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 2, <clears throat> excuse me. He says, Be watchful. Now they haven't been watchful. Okay, um, they haven't done that. In Mark chapter 14, verse 37, it says, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou, couldest thou not watch one hour? He's talking about the, to the disciples and the, the night that uh, uh, in, in Gethsemane's garden, the disciples fell asleep. Jesus came after a while and says, what are you doing sleeping? Could you not just watch with me? What do you mean watch? Just looking around? No. It means to watch in prayer. To watch in prayer. And we know that one of the, one of the things that falls away from Christians, uh, especially these days, is uh, um, lack of prayer. The other thing is lack of Bible reading and study. Okay? Don't let anything or anybody keep you away from your time of prayer and Bible study. What he says to these churches, he sings to us. He's saying to you too. If you're a Christian, he's saying this to us because we have to take the applications for ourselves, don't we? He says, be watchful. You know, things are moving on. Things are moving quickly. We're, we're, we're coming to that time when Jesus Christ will return. There's some terrible things going to come upon the earth. And he says, you better be watchful. Be prayerful. Watch in prayer. Strengthen the things that remain. So, well, I can't do much and I've made such a mess of things. Well, there's still hope and there's still some things that remain. This church, they were still gathering together. They were still there. They still had hope. All is not lost. He says that their works were not perfect before God. Not perfect before God. Whether they had works at all. Uh, Verse 3, we see, he says, remember therefore. So the Lord gets right into it. It's a very short letter, but he gets right down to the point of it all. He says, okay, here's what you need to do. You know, you need to walk, be watchful. You need to strengthen the things that remain. But you have to um, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast. Remember from whence thou hast fallen, he said to one of the other churches. Remember back when you first got saved and how precious the Lord Jesus was and how important to you it was to be saved and the joy that you had and the happiness. You need to remember and think back there and you need to hold on to those things 
and the circumstances that come our way can be very difficult sometimes. Those are the things that cause people to fall to the wayside because their faith may be weak at the time. As they haven't been watching, they haven't been strengthening. He says, I want you to remember, you think back and you repent because it is something to, re to repent of, he's saying here. And hold fast, hang on to that thing that's yours. Hang on to salvation, to the Bible, to, to prayer, the Spirit of God who lives inside you. Hang on and look to the Lord always for everything and be talking to Him. He says, if you don't, if, that, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now it's not just about prayer, this watching. It's meaning the idea also to have a discernment about things. Now if you spend time with the Lord in prayer and Bible study, you will have a discernment. You will understand discernment. When things come down the road, you'll be able to understand where they are, what they are, where to put them. But what happened to this church? What was the problem right here that the Lord was dealing with them? Is there one particular thing we could look at? There seems to be something that we could focus in on. What the problem? There's a clue here. He says in verse 4, Thou hast, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. Wait a minute. He's giving us a clue there of what's taking place. It's not everybody in the church is like that. He says, but the angel of the church, the pastor there, he's got a problem, and much of the people's got a problem. He says, but some folks haven't fallen into this yet, okay? Have not defiled their garments. Where have you heard that before? Well, in the book of James, and I find that in my little Bible here just for a moment. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27, uh, we read this. It says, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Unspotted from the world means that you keep your garments clean. I like what uh, uh, one preacher said one time. He, he, he was uh, illustrating this point and using uh, 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 the picture of, of uh, a gal who was just about to get married. And she had on her white wedding dress and she's waiting for the, you know, the procession to start and the whole thing and everything. But some of her friends said, let's go outside, we're waiting for something to take place. We'll go outside and we'll play a little bit of football or something. She liked to play football and went out and played in the mud and got all dirty. Now how does that look? She's going to come walking down the aisle. And that's a silly little illustration, but you just think about it. Um, the Bible says that... Uh, the righteousness of the saints, Revelation chapter 19, verse 8, talks about being clean white linen, the righteousness of the saints, clean and pure and not spotted. Where does the spotting come from? Where does the defiling of the garments come from? It's worldliness, getting wound up with the world, letting the world come into your life in such a way that you pay more time and attention on the things of the world than you do of God. And those things will push the Lord and the things of God and of Jesus Christ out of your life. Worldliness is a, is a real problem. And I think that's one of the problems you have here with Sardis. As the Lord says that some of them have not defiled uh, their garments. He says, they will walk with me in white. Okay. So one of the problems seems to be worldliness in their services. 
in their own lives, in all things, they've let the world come in. If you look around at the state of churches today, you will find that is a very prevalent thing. Okay? We're getting closer to the time the Lord's coming. Does not the Bible say somewhere that and when the Lord Jesus returns, it's questions, shall he find faith on the earth? Where did it go? What would happen? We know there's going to be a great apostasy. But worldliness will do that. It's a big problem today with Christians. It's a big problem today with churches. Worldliness hinders your personal prayer life. Okay? We have th basically three enemies we keep in mind. The world is one of them. The world is not our friend. It's not the friend of the Christian. And the things of the world, we get drawn to its entertainment and so on and so forth. That becomes something in our lives and just whatever. You fill in the blank. But it's an enemy. The world and the flesh itself, this old flesh, this old body wants and desires and lusts. And the Spirit of God has been given to the, to the believer to live right inside of you to overcome these things. To overrule those things. But sometimes we just want what we want, don't we? The world, the flesh, and then we have the devil on our case. Whispering in our ear, bringing temptations before us. If you're born again, if you're a Christian, you're in a battle. You're in a battle from here on to the end. A battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he says, uh, you need to be watchful. Strengthen the things that remain. Look to the Lord Jesus. He says, he that overcomes. Now, there's a gospel plea here. I believe this is a gospel plea. There's some in the churches, maybe they weren't even saved. What are they doing in there? What are they doing going to church? They don't even know Jesus Christ. Do you think people are fooled, maybe? People can be fooled and to think that they're saved. Well, I'm a good person. I go to church all the time. I do this. I was baptized. Show me in the Bible where it says, it doesn't say that at all. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross of Calvary was nailed up on that cross, shed his blood, he died, he spent six hours on that cross and died and gave his life for the sins of the world as a sacrificial lamb because he loves you for your sins, for my sins, the sins of everybody. Anybody can be saved if they would trust in Christ. What Jesus did on the cross was enough for all. So there's a gospel plea here. He that overcomes is a victor. So there's a salvation message here we can look at. There's also the victor in the Christian life, uh, not being a carnal Christian, having victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're born again and trusting in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is God manifest in the flesh, the Bible says. That wasn't just some man on that cross. That was God took on flesh for the purpose of being put to death for our sins. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And any that will believe in him, trust in him with all of your heart, they would be saved. They'd be forgiven. You'd be declared righteous. You'd be justified of all things. You'd be made a child of God. Heaven will be your home. He says, He that overcomes, in verse 5, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. See that cleanness, that purity. That standing apart from the world and those things that drag us down. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now some people get and stumble over that. He's not talking about a person losing their salvation. You can't, once you're saved and born again, you cannot have your name removed out of the book of life. Some people think you can, but you're wrong. 
Let me ask you a question. If God declares something to be so, who can undo that? God's not going to go back on His Word and go against His Word. If God declares you justified of all things, how can you become unjustified? Who could do that? Nobody. Nothing. God declares that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you are righteous, and He declares you justified of all things, and all your sins was placed on, placed on Christ. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, all your sins are on Him. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. And he talks about being clothed in white raiment, uh, purity, uh, Revelation 19.8, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Then he goes on to say, and your name will not be blotted out. And a couple of verses here for us to look at. Uh, Revelation 13.8 says, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. And now the context there in chapter 13 is the Antichrist. The world is going to worship the Antichrist when he comes upon the scene. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written. Uh, where am I? <laughs> I missed, okay. Not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Whole world will worship him. Those whose names are not written in the book of life will worship the Antichrist. But if your name is in the book of life, you will be with the Lord. He says uh, in verse 20 And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, what takes place, th this is what takes place as far as your name in the book of life. I believe it's in the book of life. When you are born, your name's in there, okay? And you have a chance to be saved all of your life. And if you die unsaved, your name is taken out of there, okay? You can disagree with that, but you go search the Bible and see if you can find it. Other than that, you won't. When you die, your chance to be saved is done. Your name is gone out of the book of life, okay? He says, he that hath an ear. He that hath an ear. Verse 5, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I, shall, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So we have here in this small little letter, we have much packed into it. I know we just ran over it, ran through it like a freight train. But we have to cover some ground here. For us to, to consider and to take lessons from these that make the terrible mistake of letting the world come in and letting other things come in and just crowds out. Oh, they were open for business on Sunday, 11 o'clock service or whatever. They probably had Sunday schools and, and whatever else. But the light had gone out. The light had gone out because Jesus wasn't the focus of it all. It was the dead church. The life is left. And he says, there's still hope. You be watchful. You strengthen the things that remain. Pick your socks up. Get yourself up and get going. Okay, that's what he's saying. I want you to remember, he says, remember where you came from. Remember where you started. Remember when you first got saved. And you repent. And you better watch. And be watching. And don't let your garments be defiled. 
Don't be as some of those that are saved as if by the skin of their teeth. Okay, there's, there's some that will be saved that just fall into all kinds of things. And he that overcomes. A wonderful, wonderful uh, portion of scripture for us just to look at and to study and to glean things from for ourselves. We have to stop now. Uh, that concludes Sardis. We're going to pick it up shortly with Philadelphia. So you just think about that. Read through it. Don't forget to write down as much as you can, especially with references and such, so you can go back to it and look the verses up. Don't just take what I'm saying about it. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says on the subject, but you need to go and check it. Be like the Bereans, okay? We'll be looking to books that people have read and such. You look to the scriptures. That's what we're going to do, and that's what we're doing here. And uh, that's good. Thank you very much for your attention. And uh, that concludes this one. Okay, thank you very much.